As a small business owner, how many of you hate dealing with all of the tedious admin and paperwork? Don't worry, you're not alone. You need to set aside that frustration you're feeling because there's a more enlightened way to look at the situation. Let's look at it this way. If you're still managing to deal with your paperwork on your own by using a spreadsheet, then you're going to absolutely crush it when you start getting help from FreshBooks. You see, FreshBooks has created ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software for self-employed people who would rather spend their precious time building their businesses than dealing with mountains of paperwork. One thing I really love about FreshBooks is that you can send clean and professional looking invoices in about 30 seconds. And with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online. We all like doing that. For your free 30-day unrestricted trial, just go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you and the how did you hear about a section. Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. Today is Friday, May 11th, 2018. I am back a little bit early from uh, my maternity leave. I'm scheduled to go back to work. I have another week off, but I figured I would go ahead and chat with you before I started to dig deeply into my work. Um, the truth is that I I have been working um, while I've been off. I just haven't done like the super deep dive. So I have been keeping up with emails and just keeping up with what's been going on. But after one more week, I will be leaving the house, um, getting back into the office and getting back into the swing of things. Um, I put out an APB for you guys to send me questions and um, I was up reading questions in the middle of the night. I have pulled out some questions today to go over um, in this podcast that I think will be good for everyone. For those of you that want to send me questions, you can email me at mytaughtyou at gmail.com. And what I'm going to do, I think, is I'm thinking I'm going to do a separate um, baby slash pregnancy product uh, questions, um, work, getting back to work, all these types of things that you guys have asked me. So if you want to, um, have me answer your question in like a separate sort of like pregnancy baby podcast, go ahead and send me an email and put, you know, baby or pregnancy or something in the subject. That way I can like round those up and talk to you about that. Uh, but I am alive and well, you guys, I, um, had, a nine pound, six ounce baby boy on March 26th, 2018, 5.40 PM. Um, Crazy, crazy experience. And maybe in that, uh, maybe in that next podcast, I'll kind of like detail my birth story, which was wild. Um, I'll do that. But today it's all about you. I'm getting back to you um, and answering your question. So thank you guys for being, um, keeping in touch with me, writing me, messaging me, uh, while I've been off. It's been very sweet. Uh, you guys are so kind. So here we go. Dear my league. You're the first person who popped into my mind to ask this. Your podcast has been my number one go-to resource for a career in life tune-up. And I wanted to start by thanking you for all that you do. It truly makes a difference in our lives. Very, very sweet. Thank you for sharing that with me. My question starts with a mistake I made, but gets to something deeper that I haven't been able to find resources for. 
Yesterday, I had an interview with a dream job that I was entirely qualified for. I researched and wrote my ass off for the cover letter and resume. I went to a career counselor to review my application materials. I got all the way to the top four candidates, spent hours prepping for the interview. And when it came time to do the interview, I completely froze. It was horrifying. I stumbled on my words, repeated myself, said things that didn't make sense, started visibly shaking, had to take a minute to breathe and collect myself. At one point, the words just stopped coming out. It was the most embarrassing and difficult interaction I've ever had. This has never in my life happened to me before. From the time I was a child, I have excelled at using my words to express myself and public speaking has been a skill I've worked hard to develop. I've given keynote speeches, won speech contests, and had presentations of mine move people to tears. When I get the chance to connect with people through words, I enter this state of flow that feels great to me and seems to resonate well with others. But lately, a lot of my life has been shifting and I think it's shifting the sense of who I am as well. From losing the legal guardian who took me in after I was orphaned to starting over in a new city by myself to dealing with the most painful breakup I've ever experienced, this last year has been quite the ride. I've done my best to keep going and hold my head up, which has included lots of therapy, reading, and reflecting. I know I'm the only one in charge of my life and that I can either use these setbacks as an excuse or meet the challenge and face them head on. So this is where my question comes in. What do we do when our sense of ourselves changes? How do we weather the storms outside when there's one raging inside of us as well? I've always been the girl who's good at speaking. How do I handle messing up in a way that feels like it's shaking me to my core? Until now, focusing on my strengths was one of the ways I didn't let the negativity spiral get a hold of me. What happens when those strengths take a hit or shift or maybe aren't as strong as they used to be? What do we do when the core of us is transforming along with the external world around us? What do we fall back on then? Um, Beautifully written letter, by the way, like absolutely amazing. And um, I'm very sorry to hear about you losing your legal guardian after you were orphaned. Um, This is my answer. I read this as two separate concerns. The first is that you idealized your dream job. I know the feeling. You convinced yourself that this job would be your everything. This was it. So when the opportunity came knocking, it's not shocking to me that you sort of lost yourself a bit. That can happen. One time I got the opportunity to interview for the top, top person at Bobby Brown Cosmetics. Um, Back when I was, I think around 18, I started doing makeup, quote unquote, professionally. And I worked at, let's see, Lancome, MAC, Clinique. Uh, glamour shots and I even freelanced in makeup and I got an opportunity to interview in New York City with Cindy Watson at the time I could do makeup like I'm telling you I could do I mean back let's see if I'm I'll be I'm 38 and I was working at the Mac counter when I was 20 so 18 years ago you remember I don't know if you guys remember you guys are so young but back when Mac you had to be like bomb makeup artist right so I know that I can do makeup I get to this um, makeup test I get connected through essence Essence Magazine was mentoring me for the summer and some kind of way I get connected to sort of audition for the opportunity to have this sort of like freelance makeup job where I could go back to my city and freelance at various malls and counters and make really good money um, in makeup. 
So I get there to the makeup test. Okay. And I failed. The concealer was a mess. My hands, the concealer was, I mean, I had a model and I just made her into a clown. Okay. I forgot how to do everything. My hands were shaking. I got so nervous that I fell apart. Um, the nerves had nothing to do with a deeper me. Um, I just built the opportunity up so much and fell in love with who I thought I'd become after I got the job. I obviously didn't get it, but we can both say I'm doing fine now, right? And that's kind of how I feel about you. You bomb that interview. That doesn't mean that you'll bomb the next one, but I'd be careful idealizing a dream job because you never know what it will be like once you begin. What you see and think is happening from the outside is rarely true on the inside. It's still all work. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, I feel like you've attached this hiccup to some unfortunate things that have happened in your life. And while they could be related. I genuinely believe that they are just two very separate issues. I don't think your strengths have taken a hit. Even the best of us still fail. You experience two deaths, one of a caretaker and one and another of a relationship. And perhaps you unconsciously saw this job filling that void. Um, you're grieving those losses. I, I say you keep discussing this in therapy and you keep interviewing for more jobs. You're still so very strong. I mean, I know you are. I can tell by the way you wrote this letter, the way you're able to, this self-awareness that you have, the way you're able to step outside of yourself. Um, you just stumbled, you know, you just stumble. And I'm certain, and I really want you to write me back because I know that you, I, there's a hero story in this. I know you're going to tell me something amazing soon um, because there's sunlight for you just around the corner. I feel it and I know it. Please write me and tell me. Um, but I don't think that the two are related. I don't think that because of the breakup and because of the new city, that is the reason why you bombed the interview. I think you bombed the interview because you may have built this up as a way to feel good about yourself after some disappointments because breakups do that for us, right? Sometimes breakups, um, shake us down and make us feel, um, we lack approval, right? It's like we we want to be approved. We want someone to tell us we're good and we're great. And relationships tend to do that. Caretakers tend to do that. And jobs tend to do that, you know, when you're hired and you get down to the last four. And sometimes I'll tell you, you know, I've been in situations where I've got down to the last however many second, third. I mean, I've been down to the last two. And sometimes it's just a personality thing. You know, it has nothing to do with how well you work. It's just the person wants to work with someone that's more like them. And at that point they did you a favor. Okay. Write me. Cause I want to hear about, I want to hear about, uh, the great thing that's coming just around the corner for you. Next question. Hi, my leak. I hope all is well with you and baby Noah. All is well with us. Um, I'm up at this ungodly hour pressed about work. I'm a wife and a mom of two sweet boys. And I work with a local attorney's office as non-attorney staff, which basically means case prep, client management, and other duties as assigned. The job is a great fit because it gives me the flexibility I need balancing my kids and other civic duties while allowing me to make a somewhat decent wage. My boss and I have a great relationship and work well together. I felt like I struck gold in the last two and a half years. Two and a half years have been awesome. On Monday, my boss got fired. 
We don't know exactly why, but my teammates and I are super concerned and uneasy. No one has said, but we're all thinking we're next. For me, it's the fear of the unknown. Although I do think if they were looking to fire all of us, it would have happened the same day, right? I'm concerned we're being used to tie up the previous manager's loose ends and then we'll get the X too. The new manager is so far difficult, impulsive, short, and all over the place. Her her turnover rate is high, which screams start looking to me. I hopped into job search mode this week, but I live in a smaller city with not a lot of opportunity. So there's that. My questions are, what are some things to do immediately after your leader or manager has let go? Should I try with the new manager or resign and devote my efforts into finding a new match? Also, do you have any experience with this? And if so, how do you move forward? Okay, this is what I said. I was like, this is the part where you start playing the game. First things first, you cannot panic. People can smell fear a mile away and there's something about panicking that may lead someone to believe that you did something wrong or that you deserve to go as well. Keep a cool head. Next thing you want to do is schedule an appointment with the new leader. There's a reason they got rid of the person that was so cool to work for and replaced them with someone that is in your words, impulsive. You need to find out why. I'd enthusiastically go into the meeting and let the new boss know that you're really looking forward to working for them. Doesn't matter if that's true or not, but this is the game that you have to play. You have to say this. You must do this. You cannot bring all this panic and worry and concern. It's just like you would be really, you would be really excited to work for anyone, right? There you go. Really looking forward to working for you. Um, And to sure, and you want to say, To ensure that you're delivering the kind of work that's on par with them, ask for their preferences, ask for their work style, and so on, and adjust. So you want to go in there and you want to just say, I'm going to just make up some names, you know, hey, Lisa, I wanted to set up some time um, to make sure that I'm giving you the kind of work that you're looking for. Um, I know that there've been some, some recent changes and when we were doing the work for so-and-so it was this way, but they let, they let the cool boss go for a reason and whatever, however cool they were, they weren't performing correctly. And so it's just like, you need to figure out how to produce the kind of work that satisfies this new person, because whether you like it or not, that's what it is. And a lot of times, um, and I have notes for this and I'm, I'm going off off my notes for a second but a lot of times the first thing we do when we panic is we want to jump ship and I'm not saying that you shouldn't leave this job at some point but I do like the opportunity that you have right now to learn how to work with this kind of person because these kind of people don't go away in business a lot of times companies will hire people who may not be um, the nicest or they may not be the most personable but they are driving results. And that is what is important to companies. They don't really care how many people like them or think they're cool. They're about driving results um, and making that, that money. And this is a fantastic opportunity for you to learn how to work with someone who though is impulsive and all this other kind of stuff. Um, they didn't get the job because they are nice. They got it because they, they produce results, hopefully. Um, this is the next thing that I want you to do that. This is the part where I say, you got to play the game a little bit. Next thing I want you to do after this meeting is let their boss know that you're really looking forward to working with them. You know, give some key qualities that you, you know, 
let's just say her boss's name is Margaret. Hey, Margaret, I had an opportunity to meet with Lisa this afternoon. I just wanted to shoot you a note and let you know that I'm really looking forward to working with Lisa. Um, In our meeting, she discussed her desire to, you know, uh, fix this, to, to drive results over here and to improve the such and such. Um, and I just want to let you know that I'm looking forward to that, blah, 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 uh, close it out. Thank you. Have a good weekend, whatever. Now you are playing the game. Uh, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen more than likely. Uh, Lisa's boss, Lisa's boss, Margaret is going to let Lisa know that you, you know, you sent this email and this buys you time until you can find something else. Okay. Or you keep playing the game and let work be work and keep moving. But either way, um, it's an opportunity for you to learn and you always want that, you know. And so um, I would say don't freak out. Um, If things have changed, shoot me an email, but don't freak out. Um, This is you can handle anything. And this is this is my tip. Like this is how I would handle that situation. Um, I've been in, you know, I haven't. I haven't been in a situation like this per se, but I have been in situations where let's just say I had a really good contact at a company and that person gets let go. And now I have to work with someone that maybe I don't have the best relationship with. And maybe that person is not the easiest to get along with. And maybe they're short or whatever, but you had to get in there and you had to play that game, honey, you, because we got things we were trying to do. Um, And sometimes you're going to be a little uncomfortable. You know, you got lucky. You had a really good run of being able to like, like it and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, But sometimes things shake up and I think you can get back to that. Uh, You just have to figure out how to make it work for you. So shoot me a note. Let me know if you decide to do that, (laughs) how it works. Next question. Hi, my leak. I hope you are existing in love, existing in love with your newborn and husband. I'm not married, but, um, Okay. Well, I hate my job and don't know what to do. I turned 40 last year and have been in the human resources field for over 20 years. I am self-made, self-taught, self-motivated, and good at what I do in the HR technology field. I finished my bachelor's in 2014. I have more than doubled my income since 2008 and now make 130000 plus 10% bonus and other perks. I am not satisfied or happy. I haven't been for a long time. My family and some friends think I am nuts when I talk about leaving this field and starting over. My family has become dependent on my income, but I am working towards financial freedom. We'll be out of debt in a year and I'm weaning them off my support. I have worked in corporate America for the last two decades and never learned to play the game. I've dealt with extremely toxic, passive aggressive, sabotaging and backstabbing environments. I have been in my current role almost two years and am now dealing with two incompetent team members who I am teaching fundamentals of HR technology. I come home daily complaining about what sent me over the edge for the day. Usually it is them not being held accountable. They blame everyone else and or my manager brings me in to fix their mess and complete their tasks. The incompetence is real and is very hard for me to deal with. I have expressed my concern to my manager and she has asked me to be patient. I know I could never have gotten away with this behavior in my career. One co-worker consistently delegates and throws her work over the fence to me under the guise of it being more technical. Yet she has a similar title, which includes HR technology. I've started pushing back even though I'm used to doing it. 
The other coworker is very close friends with our manager. They become mean girls together, hang out a lot and talk about everyone. I learned early on whatever I share with either coworker gets back to my manager, no matter how trivial. So I don't share anything. I don't know. I don't want to make this about race, but a common denominator has been the women, men are white who I deal with usually less educated, less credential, but making more. And I'm teaching them how to do their jobs. The microaggressions, lack of professionalism, disrespect, and incompetence is getting more and more difficult to tolerate the higher I climb in my career. As I mentioned, I never learned to play the game. All I know is let my work speak for me. My parents drilled into me not to be confrontational, not to look angry, to be accommodating, to always say yes, and it has worn me down. I was working on a project recently where I became very frustrated, and I guess my demeanor slipped with a fellow HR team member. She went directly to my manager to tell her what happened, which I still have no idea what it was and asked was I okay because I seemed out of character mind you this woman is known for looking at people crazy giving attitude and proudly voicing she has no empathy my leak I'm tired I could go on and on but honestly I'm not sure if I'm cut out for this anymore I don't know how to find my voice I'm so watered down and filtered with my thoughts at work I become almost unrecognizable I have other interests in the arts writing and entrepreneurship but have no idea if I should or can start over at 40. I have had a career coach, seen multiple therapists, been on off anxiety meds, read self-help books, meditate, and still feel miserable and stuck. Signed, not sure if you can help, but I appreciate your time. Okay, so one of the things that stuck out to me, I highlighted it, bolded it, underlined it, was that twice you said you never learned to play the game. So since you said that multiple times, I want to talk about that first. Um, I just want you to know that switching jobs, changing careers, or becoming an entrepreneur, why can't I say that today? Entrepreneur is not a surefire way to escape less educated, less credentialed, extremely toxic, passive aggressive, incompetent people. They're everywhere. If you think this will go away because you were raised to be a yes woman and think some sort of way you're going to be given a grand prize for sticking to the rules, I hate to tell you that it's not going to happen. Your happiness is important and I feel like too much of it is dependent on work. This is your job. It's not your life. I hope that you have a healthy separation. When you walk into those work doors, you aren't exactly going in as yourself. You're going in as the character that you're going to create that gets shit done, collects those fat checks and keeps it moving. I'm not saying that you shouldn't find another job, environment or career altogether, but what you're experiencing happens in just about every field. Um, Beyonce says she becomes Sasha Fierce when she's performing. And so I think that you need to create your own Sasha Fierce for work. Um, A little bit about sort of what I do. My job mostly consists of sales. Sales essentially feels like begging. I hate begging, but guess who's got to eat and now has another mouth to feed. When I'm in sales mode, I'm not the my leak that's hanging out with friends and family. I'm in attack and stack mode. I'll save the soft and touchy feelings for vacation time with my family. 
Um, a book recommendation that I have for you is the 48 laws of power. If it's too much, which a lot of people have written me and just been like, I don't know why you recommend this book. It's so mean and so evil. I'm not saying that you live by it, but what you need to know is how people, other people are playing the game. Um, if that book is too much, I would recommend the 50th law. Um, because I never learned to play the game is now an old excuse. It's time to learn to play it. So that is what I have for you. Um, that's really the deal. It's like, I understand. I feel miserable. I feel stuck. And I understand that. So I'm saying, even if you decide to leave leave this place, and I really don't um, have a lot of commentary. It's difficult for me to get into commentary about, you know, workplace drama because it, it always exists. And I don't really know all of it. And a lot of times, something else you said was something that I had to work on personally was like, I put it in red. What did you say? I know I could never have gotten away with this behavior in my career. And when I first started my business, I used to sort of like treat people how I got treated when I started working, because I just felt like, well, that's how it was, you know? And the way I was treated when I started working was lightweight abusive, you know? And it's like, guess what? Times changed and people just ain't putting up with that mess anymore. So what was happening when you came along just isn't the case now. And we can't, we can't try to work in 2018, how we worked in 2008, you know, and we can't just be like, you know, there's so many ways that people don't work um, in the way that I worked. And even if you listen to my podcast for a while and I was, you know, Carlene Roy, she and I talked about it, about how when she came along and she was working with Diddy, there was this one, this precedence that, you know, she worked by. And I just told her like the, the, the biggest, the greatest challenge that you're going to have is that that doesn't work anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like people just ain't putting up with that. Um, and you can't try to, you know, ain't nobody walking to get cheesecake in 2018. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean that these people are, um, less than it's just that the times have changed and it's either you evolve or dissolve. And and that's kind of how I feel is that the, in the 20 years that you've been doing this, I wonder, have you evolved at all? Like what has been the evolution of you professionally? And I think that that is something that you need to think about is like, how are you going to evolve? Um, because the way you did it 20 years ago, just isn't going to work. Um, and it's not going to continue to work. So, um, I recommended those two books to you, uh, to assist you in learning the game. Okay. Next question. Um, hello, my league. First off, congratulations. Baby, babies have a magical way of showing us the beauty in the world and in ourselves. Thank you for sharing your journeys of entrepreneurship, personal growth, and now motherhood. I am a new mother myself. I say new, although my daughter turns two this month. I start my first semester of law school in the fall, and I recently started working full time as a client relations manager at a boutique law firm. I hesitate on defining myself as a single mother as my daughter's father and I have a good co-parenting relationship and his family currently provides the majority of the child care for her. I pay them instead of paying for daycare, which saves me money. However, I am wholly responsible for all the finances, including food, shelter, medical, etc. You have previously referred to yourself as an aggressive saver. And my question is how I go from aggressive waster to aggressive saver. My relationship with money thus far has been fairly ordinary. I make it, then spend it, and the cycle goes on. I don't spend money on flashy things, but I typically look at my bank account and wonder, where did all my money go? I feel like I am wasteful with money. 
I recently read Jen Sincero's book, You Are a Badass at Making Money, and it was very helpful at helping me take the first steps in changing my money mindset. I am also on day two of a liquid cleanse detox to help me physically practice self-discipline. I will have to make larger purchases in preparation for law school, example, computer, and I am working on creating a professional wardrobe that doesn't break the bank, but also leaves a good impression on my professors, future employees, etc. Any advice on how I can upgrade my life and my bank account would be greatly appreciated. Sincerely, Distressed in Dallas. First, congratulations on law school, all while working and taking care of a toddler. That's an awesome feat. I'm not going to get into your business too much, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the expense sharing with the father of your child. I don't know the situation, but I hope that things are fair. And if they're not, I hope you'll have the courage to discuss that with him and get in a good place. Um, Now, the only thing that really stuck out to me in this letter was I typically look at my bank account and wonder where did all my money go? It's time to start wondering uh, and and figure out where it's going. Um, It's really simple to do, but you need to prepare a budget. Sit down today and write down all of your expenses, literally every single thing that you have spent. Um, The next thing you need to do is see if the money you're making each month actually covers all of that. Um, I, I like that exercise because I don't, sometimes we don't realize that every month we're overspending. So Um, but because of the way the paychecks tend to go, we have money to cover it, but we're overspending so that every month we're kind of starting the month behind the eight ball at a deficit, but not even really realizing that. So you need to sit down and calculate each and every expense. Um, and that also will help you assess, you know, the childcare that you're paying to his family, um, even though they're doing you this favor, you know, maybe there's some, because the father is not paying for medical, this, that, and the third, that they can, the family can cut you some slack in that area as well, or he can pay them because you're covering the other things. Um, the next thing you should do is group or categorize the other expenses in your bank account. Uh, on your bank account, how much are you spending eating out or on toiletries, gas, etc. My favorite website for tracking my spending is mint.com, M-I-N-T.com. Once you know how much you're spending on things, you need to set a budget for these things. If you're like me and always buying books, you need a monthly book budget and then you stick to it. So, you know, I would go into Barnes and Noble every week and be like, oh, I'm just getting a $20 book or a $14 book or, you know, three magazines and it's like oh they're just it's just a 20 it's just 24 dollars. i can afford it but guess what at the end of the month i've spent 150 dollars on books or over or even 80 or 90 dollars and it's like i need to stick to a 40 dollar book budget or barnes and noble budget so if 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 i want a 25 dollar book then that means that half my budget is spent and I can't go in there for the rest of the month and buy any and buy another book like those are the kinds of ways that you have to like stick to your budget you can also use this analysis as a time for look for way as a time to look for ways to cut back on some things if you're like me and always grabbing a magazine at the register at the grocery store get a subscription once you have a better handle on where everything is going set up an automatic savings account save a hundred dollars or whatever you can afford each pay period do not get a debit card for that account 
let that stack up. And that's what you're going to use for your larger purchases. Don't ever turn the auto savings off. So even if you just do $20 a week or $50 a week, um, that's how I started saving money is that I would put the auto savings on where it would just automatically debit from the account. I wouldn't even notice it. And you know, at the end of the month, I'd have 200 extra dollars stacked up. Now, when you're going to go get that new computer, you know, four or five months in, you already maybe have half of it covered or you already have it covered. And so... That is my suggestion for that. Um, let me know how that works for you. Also, I, I, I wrote about um, how I started saving a ton of money on my Medium account. That's the name of the article, how I started saving a ton of money. So Google that, how I started saving a ton of money, um, my leak, and that should come up. Or you can go to medium.com backslash at my leak and search for it there. Okay, next question. How do you deal with the pressure to get married to your significant other? Or is marriage something you do not want? Seems as though a lot of our generation does the quote unquote steps backwards, baby in house before marriage. I currently have a child with my significant under other and wonder if it's just my upbringing that puts pressure on myself to have a ring, if it really matters anymore, etc. So I said, I'm not really sure what I want, but I've never felt pressure from anyone to be married. Our upbringing creates a level of status um, let me see. These are notes, but I'm like, my notes must be messed up. Basically what I'm trying to say is that our upbringing kind of gives marriage and society, you know, it creates a level of status. Um, and I don't know the best word, but sort of like honesty or honor that goes along with being married, you know, the whole making honest woman out of me sort of thing. And so, um, I know that a lot of our upbringing, you know, most people are like, don't have a baby if you're not married or, you know, you got to be married before you do this, that don't buy a house, you know, cause you'll intimidate a man. He won't marry you, blah, blah, blah. All the stuff that I've heard. Um, the other side of it is America's obsession with weddings and babies, you know, the festivities more so than the marriage or the child rearing. Um, and so, uh, I don't really know, uh, because there wasn't really a question. You said, how do I deal with the pressure? I don't really have any pressure. Um, but I can see that after you've done these things, it's like, are you going to marry me? Um, and I don't know. I just, it's just something that's not that important to me. Doesn't mean that I won't do it, but I feel like, um, I'm reading this book right now. That's like, if you're in my office, if you, if you've come to my office, it's too late. It's about divorce. And I think, you know, he talks about the amount of divorce that happens in relationships and, uh, my parents are divorced. I am in a relationship with someone that has been divorced. And so I don't know. I think that those sorts of things kind of have me on the side of like being completely realistic, not saying that I'm like, Oh, you know, Oh, we're going to break up or it's not going to work. Just really trying to figure out what the hell marriage even really means, um, to me, um, versus worrying about what other people think about it, you know? So I don't know you, I don't know, um, what you may be going through because I can, you know, I know some people who are just like, you know, I want to be married. That's just not me at the moment. Cause I just, I have not, I'm that kind of person that is like, I can't quite figure it out. So I'm just, I haven't done it yet. You know, I'm just like, Hmm, probably a little bit too much of a realist. 
so that's my problem. And once, as I continue to work through it, I'll share with you. Um, but that's that for me. Next question. Hi, my leak. Absolutely love your podcast and congratulations on your newborn. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I am in such a fix. I was in a two year relationship with a man I thought I was going to marry. He seemed excited and he, impl- he seemed excited and he planned our future together. I never pressured him or anything. I'll just smile when I, I just smile. I think I'll is you've used I'll when it should be I'd. I just smile when he mentioned the future. All of a sudden, one month ago, he ended our relationship. He said he had been thinking and wasn't ready for marriage and wants to focus on his own healing and growth. What do I do? I still love him and believe he's a great guy. He was my best friend, super supportive of me, and one of my biggest cheerleaders. This is hard on me, but do I close this chapter and move on? We haven't spoken since the breakup, and he has unfollowed me everywhere on social media. I can't seem to shake this off and would love your insight on this. Okay, here we go. The minute I read this letter, I immediately wondered how many people have been in relationships with someone they thought they were going to marry. I know that I've been in more than one. Um, If it makes you feel better, more than 80% of people on Twitter, and I think almost 600 people voted, um, and the same on Instagram, have been in relationships with people they thought they were going to marry. So it's like, welcome to the club. Come on in, girl. Let us give you the t-shirt, the hat, even the shot glass. Um, We've all starred in that movie. Next, I have to say that this is a real stand-up dude. Instead of cheating on you and dragging you along, he released you in the most mature and responsible way possible. He told you that he wasn't ready for marriage. That's fair. And that he needs to focus on his own growth and healing. Let that brother heal and grow and also let him go. It's called a breakup because it's broken, which reminds me of one of my favorite books that helped me through a breakup. The name of the book is it's called a breakup because it's broken. Read it, cry and let time heal this wound. Good luck. Next question. Hi, my leak. Congratulations on baby Noah. You are truly a rock star. Thank you. I know people are going to flood your inbox with mommyhood questions, but I want to ask about what had to happen for Noah to get here. And that's falling in love with your partner. I really appreciate your honesty in telling us how you met Bay on Tinder. It's definitely not where I think someone like you would meet their match, pun intended. I've been on and off Tinder for a while now, and it's my favorite dating app because because there's so many options and my matches are typically booming. But that's also one of the reasons I dislike the app because there's so many options and sometimes it's hard to discern who's for you and who's just playing games. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about your experience and how you navigated the dating pool of Tinder. What was in your bio? How long did you swipe right and date before y'all met? What were some questions you asked or signs you looked for when you met someone in order to see if they were someone you were interested in getting to know? Did you only look for guys in Atlanta? Please tell Bay the Snapchat fam misses him. Um, I told him that and he said to let you all know that I got jealous of his, his Snapchat fame and shut it down. But the truth of the matter is that once Instagram started doing the whole stories thing, then Snapchat kind of like fell off. And there was no need for me to do to do both. Um, and had Instagram done the stories first, I probably would have never gone to Snapchat. So I'm not jealous. Boo. Uh, but here we go. It's been a while, so I can't 
recall what was in my bio, but I'm sure it says something along the lines of enjoying my work and being a reader. Um, I actually met him after deciding to end it with someone that I also dated via Tinder. Um, I dated a guy for nine months and realized on my birthday that I didn't love him and he didn't love me. Um, nice guy and all, but if you don't love someone after nine months of dating, it's time to hang it up. Some may ask, how did it go on so long? And the answer is just convenience. It was a relationship that didn't demand much of me. So it was easy to do. I was pretty much still living my exact same single life with someone to do stuff with every now and then. Um, I met my current partner on Tinder the night I got back on, which was the same night I broke it off with the other guy. Don't judge. I'm a busy woman. My strategy probably wasn't the best, but so my strategy probably wasn't the best, but I don't believe in speaking first. You know, I like you. I swiped you. You say something. So that's one of the things is that if I connected with somebody on Tinder, I'm not like, and I find out that we're a match. I'm not hitting you up. Sorry. I don't know. I'm definitely, that's just my, that's my policy. But if you, I just, there's something about me that feels like, uh, if a guy wants to be with you, he will at least make the first step. You know, it's like you technically already made a step by saying he's not he's not uh, shooting at you blindly. He at least knows that you're interested. So I feel like there's something about me that's like I need you to I need you to hit me up first. Um as far as seeing if they were worth getting to know, I was looking for interesting conversation. Seems like the most interesting men on Tinder were always married. If the person could keep my interest, then I'd agree to a date with them. Now, this is the catch. I've only been on two Tinder dates. The first was the guy that I dated for nine months, and the second is the person I'm currently with. So I guess you could say I'm very discerning. I didn't really entertain... um guys that you know there would be guys that I would meet on there that worked for Delta Delta's based in Atlanta so it's like oh I'm training for this I'm going to be in town these kinds of weeks you know do you want to get together and it's like you no you know what I mean no I don't um I don't think so you're not really you're not really about um anything and so that's kind of how I navigated Tinder. Now, I always crack up when people say, you know, I wouldn't think that someone like you would use the app to meet someone, which is, um, I think a lesson in and of itself is like, my world is really small, you know, um, I don't really collide with a lot of people every day. So I don't work in a big office with like several floors and several companies, you know, of somebody that maybe I would like pass in the parking lot for a couple of weeks and then they would holler at me or whatever. So that's not my life. Um, it's a, I live a very isolated life and I'm typically on the move so much that I don't spend a lot of time in any one place. Um, so meeting people is really is is really hard and so I've told the story that a friend talked me into getting on it and my therapist always laughs she calls me like the um tender uh you know success story I just think that you are going to meet a lot of different people and you won't know if they're serious or not um, until you maybe get out with them. And I kind of still felt that way about the first guy. Like I dated him for all those months, but I I just didn't feel like 
that just wasn't going anywhere, you know? And some people are just like serial daters or just like serial monogamists. Uh, I've dated some people like that too, who just love being in relationships with people that they're not trying to do nothing with, you know, just somebody to kick it with. And that's not what I'm looking for. But I think the biggest thing is, I think one of the biggest things in dating or whatever is just not really knowing what you're looking for, you know? And I think the best thing that I could have ever done before I got serious about dating, because I don't think I ever have been like serious about dating up until about maybe three-ish years ago. Um, the best thing that I did was write out exactly what I was looking for. Not any physical things, but writing out... Um, things that qualities that I needed you know so I've read this in a podcast before but I really want to be with someone that's romantic um and I am with someone that's romantic and I don't want to hear about guys being like you know that's just not me whatever okay if that's just not you then that's just not then you're just not for me um I want to be with someone who is um curious you know because I'm a curious person and a curious person is going to be interesting. You know, I want to be with someone who's very interesting. If you do something and, you know, you go to work every day and that's all you do and you don't have anything to show me or talk to me about, then you're, you know, you're not going to be for me or a place to take me or introduce me to things. Um, that's something that I know that I need. Uh, what else was on my list? I wanted to be with someone who enjoyed their work that's super important because I really love what I do and because of my love for what I do I make a lot of sacrifices for it and you know I've been in situations with my current partner where I've needed to get up from the dinner table and take a call you know it's like I remember being out with him and getting a call from Rich Dennis, you know, founder of Shea Moisture that just bought Essence. Like, you know, Rich calls you once or twice on your cell phone a year. And when he calls, you answer. Um, and if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't understand that, you know, I'm not arguing with you when we get home about why somebody picked up the phone, we were having a dinner, blah, blah, blah. No, but if, you, if you're into your work and somebody that's really important in your world calls you and I know you need to pick up the phone and step away, um, those are all things that were really important to me. And I made a list, um, and I found exactly what I was looking for. So, um, I hope that that long unnecessary story helped you. If you have any more questions, hit me up. Um, I just realized you guys that that was all the questions that I answered, which seems pretty sufficient, you know, almost 45 minutes. So, Thank you. I am going to um, shower. I actually have a lunch meeting that I need to leave for in 15 minutes. This is my life, you guys. Um, hit me up. Send me questions. I'm going to be back talking to you because I have to. Um, I missed you. Have a good weekend and happy Mother's Day to all of you. Bye. <laughs>